Welcome, specialists, coaches, dads of kickers, moms of punters, relatives of long snappers, and dogs at Chad Kickoffs to the Iceman Kicking Podcast. It's the show with cold questions and even cooler guests. We're here to talk about the ins and outs of special teams and specialists, and I'm your host, Brett Arkelling. Uh, we've managed to pull the strings here and get UCLA special teams coach Will Rodriguez out of his busy schedule to talk to us for a while. Uh, a little bit about Will Rod. Uh, during his time with the Rams, he worked alongside Jim Fossil uh, and helped improve the kicking game with Pro Bowlers Greg Zerline and four-time Pro Bowl punter Johnny Hecker at Oregon State. In 2016, the Rams special teams unit set NFL records for punts down inside the 20 and single-season net punting average of 46 yards. Uh, when Will got to UCLA, he helped improve that unit from 116th in the nation uh, to number 27 in the nation in special teams efficiency in 2019. Um, how's LA treating you today, Will? LA's actually pretty good. Um, definitely, I wake up to a nice, nice warm sunny day. Um, a little bit warmer than it's been. Obviously, uh, summer is really kicking here in, uh, in in the valley where I live currently. Uh, but definitely enjoying the time to spend some time, time with the family a little more than usual, which obviously in the coaching profession, it's definitely a blessing to say the least. Yep. Yeah, you got a pretty uh, rowdy house there, so it sounds like a fun time. Hey, before we get into anything, uh, let's have a word from our sponsor real quick. This show is brought to you by The Kicker's Bible. The Kicker's Bible. Do you want to learn the ins and outs of kicking from NFL specialists? Organize practice schedules for in-season and the off-season so you don't overkick? How to get a full-ride scholarship offer? The perfect long-snapping technique for tossing a 6-5 ball on the hip every time. This book provides specialists with the ultimate guide containing everything necessary to find success as a specialist at the highest level. Brett Arkelling combined over 10 years of experience as a player and coach with countless hours of research to develop this handbook of the greatest collection of proven technique tips used by college and NFL specialists and coaches all in one place. The Kicker's Bible is a must-have for both players and coaches at every level who want access to information essential to perform and teach at the best of their ability. Go to icemankicking.com to get your copy today. This is the Iceman Kicking Podcast with Coach Will Rodriguez. Will, welcome to the cold seat. All right, so before I was doing my uh, research and I heard, you know, it was uh, something you were very proud of to find Greg Zerline at the Division II level. Talk to us about, uh, you know, how did you find him and what that evaluation stage was like? So definitely, um, I try, I try to make sure I do a very good due diligence of my evals of college from looking at every single specialist who's a senior or at least guys who get elevated as juniors who are coming out as well as their counterparts in the lower divisions. Um, one of the biggest things that, I mean, obviously I do is with those guys is grade them all the way through from the junior year and see what their increments of how they got better, they got worse, are they stronger and whatnot? But um, one of the things about Zerland that definitely um, piqued interest was leg strength, accuracy, and two kicks that I had to look back at 
he had two 58s in his senior year. Now, one of the things that a specialist know is coaches don't like kicking past in the 50s, generally unless it's an endless game situation. Not saying we can't do it, it's just there were about field position, which is totally understandable. But his two kicks were in the middle of the first quarter, which is pretty pretty rare in terms of just a team saying, let's, let's go and do it. And he made both of them. Now, it was definitely a very tough eval because the two top guys that in that class was Zerline D2 and Blair Walsh in the SEC. So, so you're thinking of who you want to go with and, and whatnot. And one of the things with uh, that I was asked by our GM, who's, who's currently there, Les Need, he said, are you worried about if he can handle the bright lights and the sounds of a bigger stadium? Because a D2 ball, generally, it's not that big, not that loud. And I was like, well, if he's worried about the sounds and the lights, then he's not, he, he's a little bit kicking because when you're truly locked in, you don't hear anything. And, 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 and with that, passed pass my stuff on, on to Coach John Fossil. He bowed him, got to know the kid, did a few workouts with him, and next thing you know, we had drafted him in the fifth round. That's right, excuse me, sixth round. And the, and the and now he's just got reunited with him now in Dallas, coincidentally. So obviously loves a player and he's gonna do great things from out there. Man, I firmly believe that. And that's really cool too, because yeah, that's definitely something, you know, I was at uh, division two school and I know that you also at Lindenwood, right? Yeah. Which is a, a smaller uh, school. So that's definitely something us small school guys here, you know, is that, you know, you're not equipped to deal with that, uh, the pressure of a big situation. But obviously, I mean, he was more than ready for that. So that's, that's an awesome evaluation that you went through there. No, absolutely. And, and I put myself in trying to, in finding that rare talent because everyone thinks, well, I didn't get that scholarship to go here. I didn't get to go here. It's like, look, if you put in the right scheme, you do exactly what you need to do, and, and you make your kicks, make your snaps, make your punts. Players will be found in the NFL. When over when I was over at the Pacific, I, I brought in pro punt, which in college football, it's absolutely unheard of because of the rules. And I understand the rules. It, it, it gives them more leeway to be more of a cover scheme, less of a protection scheme. And by putting uh, my player, Matthew Orzec, in that scheme as a senior, he, he, he actually got a contract to Jacksonville Jaguars, and, and he's, he's now in training camp in year two. So, so, so another D2 player who got missed is now playing in the NFL because he was found. That's so awesome. Yeah, and, and because you found him too, not just anyone, but you. Um, it's funny, I heard Brett Kern talking about that same thing on the fourth down experience. Um, you know, he went to Toledo, and he was saying, you know, all these kids are so set on a power five school. Well, really what they need is someone to believe in them and give them an opportunity to succeed and play for a couple of years, you know, and then they'll, like you said, you know, if you're a dude, if you're a player, they'll find you at any level of the NFL. So that's awesome. I, I really love that story. We're, we're already, you're already spitting some great knowledge here, but let, let's take it back a little bit before I get ahead of myself. Um, uh, I want to talk about your journey uh, and your, your journey to the pros and then where you're at today. Um, 
talk to me a little bit about, uh, you know, what got you into being a specialist and then special teams in general. So me originally as a specialist, um, I was originally like most kickers, I was a soccer player. So, so I, I kicked one year in high school, then played uh, in college, uh, mainly for soccer. My freshman year, I was to play soccer at Lindenwood. Then I ended up walking on and playing football over there my uh, next three years and just going through the process, been very grateful for my parents to save me up with, with the right people in terms of training, got to meet a lot of great people um, in the business, um, like like your Louis Agars, um, um, I got to meet Jeff Wilkins, Diane Jones, a lot of Rams specialists, um, mainly because of family ties with, with the uh, Rams at, at the time. Um, got a chance to really grow up and, and and learn from those guys and just see, get different ex exposures of how they train, what they do, what's different, what they, and just hearing different personalities say different things. And, but at the, at the end of the day, I gravitated to like, what is the core things of what, what we are all about and not everything works for everybody, but a lot of things do. So it's like taking pieces of a puzzle and, and trying to make, trying to create your own, your, your, your own deal. So, um, got, to do that in college, um, got a job with the uh, St. Louis Rams right out of college, worked in personnel, um, did some uh, seasonal stuff prior as an internship, just kind of came out, be what kind of learned the business. Ended up playing two years of arena football, which was definitely different. And, and I always joke, like, like the only thing that's affect kicking this in this league is how strong the AC is in there. Now, obviously, it's a little different now with that most of the leagues are no longer around, but got a chance to, to do that. Worked my way through personnel, learned learned a lot of different things from many different great special coaches. Um, um, Al Roberts, Coach Ligashevsky from Illinois, who, who I keep in contact. He was a Rams coach as well, too. So, um, Fossil, uh, Tom McMahon, just got a chance to really learn a lot, a lot of different ins and outs of, of the way that they conduct their business. And then when um, when Jeff Fisher got hired, he he brought in John Fossil, and then that same that same period, um, Les moved me over from a scout over to a special teams analyst. So obviously, analysts in in pros is much different than college. Obviously, college not coaching position at the time it was not considered that in, until I got a chance to really get to know Fossil, learn what he wants, what he's looking for what type of players he's looking for. So I would really watch every player in college football and, and give them basically grades on how are they on punt, how are they on kickoff, how are they on, on the return phases. And I, so I grade out probably about 3,000 players a year. Every, every, everybody is, is on a microscope. So I'd be watching all your guys over, over at, uh, at Marshall and say, who, who's your top dog? And I would watch them all. And and then at the end of the day, when, when the grades come out, like, okay, you got stacked. Who you like better special teams? And, and not that guy always gets bumped up higher because, you know, in his business, in teams, those guys give you more value. And those guys, all the guys who are going to be in a bubble for travel. I, tell me real quick, Will, before you, you keep going on, how did you grade out 300 guys? I mean, 
sometimes I have, you know, a hard time just picking up on, you know, finding the weak spots of a special teams unit. What, you know, how, what was the way that you distinguished? Were you looking for the best guys or, you know, how did you, how did you go about it? So really more, more, more or less went, went through, say, all of like UCLA's film or all of Marshall's film. I'll go through every game of the junior year, see who stood out. Um, now this is pre before uh, Pro Football Focus and, and so forth, where, where they had the, the stats for you. So I so so I did it back in the archaic where I had to hunt and peck for guys and try to strain my eyes all day long, trying to find serious numbers and figure out okay, well his number is different, and they have the same number. Who's taller? Is his socks different? Is his towel different? Just it, it was is definitely difficult. Would be in the office probably from like eighteen hour days, give or take. And it's just, just trying to see guys how they played, but also in the same sense, try to figure out what scheme they're playing. Because on kickoff, who who is who's a ball hawker, who's a fit and fold, who's a safety, who's contained, and then try to depict. Okay, he changed. What different was what was this? Was he hot one? Was he hot two? Or just trying to. It was definitely a, a pretty crazy ordeal trying to figure all that out. But just, I mean, at the end of the day, scouting is really just an opinion-based thing. And if you felt that that he fits the mold, plus also for the linebackers, no one sees how fast they really are on defense. So if I'm seeing one kickoff, then I can give them like, okay, this guy's a hitter. You're going you're you're to travel taking six linebackers a game. These three are going to be your team's guys. So it's it's, it was definitely a big ordeal trying to navigate through that, trying to navigate through special teams, game plans each week, um, watching all the specialists at the end. It, it, was, it took time. But, but you know what, though? If you love what you do, then you'll do it basically all day long. Exactly. I was about to say that, too. If you, if you love doing that, you know, it's, it doesn't feel like a job, right? Okay, so – Absolutely. And, and the other thing, too, I wanted to hit on is, like, you know, you really embodied that grind of, of interning, you know, and a lot of people have to do it. I mean, I'm doing it right now, you know, but I love hearing that where you, you know, you were a specialist and, and you played at a small school, but you, you had to work your way up, you know, and that's normally what it takes. A lot of these kids, you know, come out of college and they want to coach at the highest level, but they don't understand the work you have to put in. I'm sure you were putting in long days, especially when you started too, correct? Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, before my wife and I had kids, I mean, I would be in there from like 4 a.m. Till, till 10 o'clock. And, and that was before I got into, into the coaching aspect, which, which I mean, I mean, I'll laugh about it now, but after a game on Sunday, I would literally be in the office probably about 3 a.m., which means I really wouldn't leave after we got back from the road game. I'd basically sleep for two hours, wake up, build, build the, the, grain, the grain plans, build the depth chart, build the uh, skeleton of, of the uh, next dip, uh, uh scanner report and, and kind of get ready the next phase like to say if you if you're going to coach punt on monday after you do a quick synopsis of the game for the game because then then you're starting getting that part done and then then coach has a chance to look through that and then you're moving on to the next phase it's i mean people think like wonder how coaches age so fast it's like well i'm living in my guys i can see that something's change because your your lack of sleep lack of time to do anything else but i mean anything that you love to do love to do you do but um 
uh, I was trying to thought, um, but yeah, I definitely, definitely enjoy it. I mean, people ask me, why did you leave the NFL to go to D2? And me, yeah, I was trying to get in coaching and, and I've been in the NFL for so long that I didn't realize that I passed the limits of being a GA, which is usually, you just wait till you be a coach in college football. So I knew it was not going to get a job right away as an analyst, regardless of where I came from. I had to go down to D2. And I was like, well, where can I go to that I don't have to move for a D2 job and a lower paying job? And I was very fortunate that um, that a specific was close enough, long drive, but close enough where nothing changed. And then the rest is history. Yeah, no doubt. I, I'm very familiar with Azusa Pacific. I'm from Central California. So um, yeah, talk to me a little bit about your time there, kind of briefly. You go to Division Two. I mean, it seems like a big risk, but you end up turning a long snapper into an NFL caliber long snapper. Talk about your experience there. Yeah, I mean, definitely get um, – I mean, it's funny. I, I would always watch tape from them, just kind of seeing it throughout the years of, of guys that have – that, that our scouts have liked and like, you know, wonder what that is. And then I fast forward, I'm like, oh, that's where it is. Okay. Uh, it's, it's really about an hour and a half drive from where I live one way and, and, and can get a chance to meet, uh, Victor Santa Cruz out there. Um, definitely great, great, great coach, even better person, just learning the culture of the school and, and being, being a part of it. And, and knowing that, that, my my big my biggest role as a special coach is to to revamp what they have and not just revamp but I like this call it more as you're building onto what's already in place because if you try to revamp completely first year's gonna be tough out of the gate but but I knew out of the gate looking at, at just places generally I mean small schools don't have generally the the resources to do certain things, so you have to be very creative of how you conduct yourself, how you build and build your unit, how how you preach in terms of the culture and everything else that you want to have in place. And and the the one common theme that a lot of young players look for is NFL while playing NFL. And I was like, well, I was forced to do with the Rams. Coach Fossil gave me plenty of, of tape to help me get me started. Now a lot of it, I had to kind of build things on my own in spreadsheets and kind of draw pictures because, I mean, wish she gave me some more film, but there's certain things coaches just aren't going to give us. I mean, it is what it is, but but the players love knowing it's like, okay, we have Rams special teams practice film. That's what they're doing. And at the time when I left, we were we were just number one in the NFL in, in all aspects through, uh, through Rick Oslin's grading scheme, which is, done, which is the uh, – baseline for the NFL. So I, so I knew just using that alone, guys, first off, we're going to graduate towards that. But I mean, in, in terms of um, the buying with the players, I, I love to develop them as players and not just put them into a scheme just because it's easy. Because I like to, to get them drills, give them some scenarios of what's more realistic. So when they do it, they're like, okay, coach, I saw a slightly different on kickoff because this happened. I was like, okay, so let's go through tape. Tell me what, what different that, that you felt of the drill, and we'll adjust it accordingly. So then we're getting more reps on something like a strain tackle, something that happened more often on kickoff. It's like, okay, let, let, let me take this drill and let me tweak it just enough 
So it gives us that more realistic look of how we can maybe tweak it differently make it, and make you more efficient. Yeah, so you got input from them too, right? So they were invested in the drills? Oh, absolutely. Because that's one thing that, that I always go by about not just basically being dependable and um, and the culture, but look, everybody's coachable, even myself. And just I'm like, look, I'm a young coach too. There's, there's certain things that, that I'm as familiar than you are, but you are the one who's playing the game. So uh, so so I have a great baseline of what I what I want to do. If there's something you feel differently in the game that that this drill didn't quite work right, or or this drill was a little different, you want to you want maybe feel better. I'm all ears. Let's hear. Let's let's wrap it up practice and and let's see how it looks. Now it, now obviously at the end of the day, if I still still feel you know what I'm not, not a fan of the way that looks, then we'll, then we'll not wrap it, but then go back to the way it was and, and maybe try to find a different way to. And, and, it's, and it's crazy. I, I ended up building a, a drill called the Ninja Drill, and it was like, like what the heck is that? You're really teaching guys to really tuck and roll, hop up, and go find work. Like yeah, like that happens more times than you think. It really train them to be ready to quickly adjust to a return. Because I mean, you can call freaking return right, left, vertical, the damn vertical regardless. But you but you don't know which way it's coming because anything changes. You, you watch table in Austin, you, you know over Virginia and with the Rams and, and Dallas, you don't know which way it's going. You know it's vertical, you don't know where, but you got you got to find him and then you go find the next guy to block. I love that. I love that because I've, I've heard of some coaches recently doing deals where they start out, turn the other way, and then they flip and they got to find the returner. Same idea, though. That's that's more realistic, I think, because you're on the ground. You know, you might have, I don't know, not avoided well and get thrown to the ground. You got to get back up and make a play. Is that the. Is no, that no, absolutely. And this one, no, good. No, absolutely. And that's what we usually have the specialist kind of. Basically, basically do the drill. So I, I would say, you're not really running. I just want you to take three hard steps in a direction to simulate which way you're going. And don't tell him which way you're going. Basically, go the minute he touches the mat so he has no idea. He can't cheat the drill. It's completely spontaneous. And the guys who, who try to think they guess one way, they're like, oh, shit, he has to adjust and, and get back into play. But, but that's what you train them to get used to adjusting on the fly because in special it's a completely organized chaos at its finest. Absolutely. You know, there's something too that you just hit on, you know, talking about the culture, you've been in a lot of different places. Um, and I, I want to know what, what have you seen or what, what have you done that helps, you know, people get really excited about special teams. You talked about using Rams film at Azusa. Um, what have you seen that, that helps people get energized for special teams pumped up? I mean, I mean, like I know some coaches that that, that are use the quiet. Some guys that are really rah rah. It's at the end of the day. Look, just just be yourself. Have fun. If you if you have fun with what you do, God, it's going to be contagious. Guys are going to love the energy each each day. But um, there's a lot of things in the culture that I like to do. I like to compete a lot. I like to have guys comp compete in practice, but as well in the games too by giving them points. Uh, with also that, that I use Azusa and, and use, use UCLA is like a five and a point clubboard of knowing, hey, how are we rank, ranking ourselves 
in terms of who's the best special teams player who and and you find yourself with like four or five guys who are like literally neck and neck in each level of points if you're like tackles knockdowns lockdowns and and then obviously you naturally everyone always counts the lowest but i mean that's generally always i don't put them in the score per se i have them in in the numbering system so i'm really using more positive reinforcement because the guy sees a low then he's like oh i messed up but if you put it in points and you see and you, and you, and you guys basically put up in points you're like okay i'm better than this and then i'll have write-ups with the guys and I'll pass them all out to them. I'll go through quickly if in my meetings or whatnot. But then, like, hey, um, anyone has questions, please come see me, and we can talk through every little thing. And in the write-ups, it's about being positive reinforcement and and talking through stuff. So it's I put it in a way that that is very positively reinforced, and the guys see it, and, and they actually respond really well, and and, and they play that much harder. Say, okay, dang, I was, I was almost there. I need to maybe. Um, do do my how rip by make sure you get across the pads anytime you get on the, the shoulder it's 50-50 the ref's a human I mean you you, you hope you hope that he makes the right call but so let's let's take that let's take the air out of it let's make sure we get across and I'll make sure to put those words in the guys so they understand but um, going through that stuff uh, making tapes for highlights that guys don't even realize like like i'll go through all pack 12 all big 10 all other conferences youtube you name it anything that that's popped up in terms of rule wise let's learn from them let's not make the same mistake and the guys really really do enjoy seeing that stuff it's almost like a comedy hour to a degree it's in the middle of me- it's in the beginning of a meeting but the guy's like oh wow that happened I didn't know the rule. Oh, wow. I need to do that next time. But the thing is, we're learning from everyone else. So we do not make that mistake. Because like, like I've heard from Cam's podcast, um, I think the gentleman who I was heard her one for talking about the, uh, the hidden yards. But, but those really are, those impact the hidden yards of just knowing the rules. Like if you catch the ball on the goal line and you're taking momentum steps, call it two steps going back, you legally can take a knee, but a lot of players don't know the rule, and a lot of coaches don't know it either, and they either don't know it or they don't preach it. So as players, you you don't know, but so, so guys, guys really love the fact that they're getting all this information, and you're making fun fun with it, but you're enjoying you're actually making the unit fun for them because they're always like, well, I don't want to be on special teams. But at the end of the day in the NFL, if you want to play special teams three core minimum, you better hope that's agreed. And basically get some good grades because otherwise you're gonna be over there finding find a nine to five job. Oh, hundred percent. So what you're talking about just now is is showing different situationals or bad things that uh, are different things that have happened to other teams and learning from it, correct? Oh, absolutely. And 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 it's crazy crazy because I've been told before that that's a lot of work. I'm like, yeah, but, but when you see the, the fruits of your labor, I mean, I mean, just being able to give them the information. So those don't, those don't change. I mean, you're talking, you're talking about big moves in, in the game, you're talking about hitting yards, you're talking about, uh, especially in, uh, affecting at least four games of the year. And that could be our job. 
throwing for the whole staff. So, so you're talking about that. You, you like to look at at the uh, Washington State game. Not a lot of people saw that, but we had a kickoff and a punt return for a touchdown in that in that game. And you talk about just getting yards and, and making the smart decisions, making smart plays, and then next thing you know, we're like, holy shit, we just made one of the biggest comebacks in college football history. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think that was awesome. Too. And it's, yeah, you, as you said, it, it can be your job. So that's why it's super important. And one thing we were talking about earlier, the point system, do you do that in fall camp or throughout the whole system? I think that's very good to motivate players. Oh, um, not so much fall camp, de- definitely, definitely throughout the season. Definitely throughout the season. Um, camp, camp wise, you're, you're spending more time myself trying to figure out my types, figure out the players' names because. I mean, like, like when I just got to UCLA, I didn't know anybody except for maybe three coaches. Now is it? So I'm trying to figure out everybody. Trying to just figure out names, the sizes, the speeds. Each year, you and me are looking at even the next class. Where does he fit? If he fits, is he a freshman? If he's a freshman, he's got to play three quarter or more as a starter, or else you're thinking you might just put him on the, on the retro list. I mean, depending on what coach wants to do later on, but. It's just trying to fit, just trying to not, not be through that stuff. So even done, done, done some stuff as crazy as like jump like Jeopardy, having groups of, of freshmen, sophomore, junior, senior, and having to just a big old game of Jeopardy. You know what I mean? With Jeopardy, with special teams or special teams facts or what? Special teams, all like all all four core units, everybody. And just what what are the questions like in Jeopardy? Uh, we've we've done questions of like like moving like being in LA um, like messing foods you got spelled food or or random questions of like culture LA culture or or you say culture you you, you have different questions or set or songs on you like hey guess that song guess guess that movie just, just ways of getting just to have fun together as more along lines of like a team bonding. That's now, obviously, we'll, we'll see how that now with everything going on, we have to adjust accordingly. But I mean, just activities like that, the guys really enjoy it. They have yeah. fun. Yeah, that's good. I, I'm, I'm seeing now how that creates a culture of enjoying special teams. And, and you kind of hit on my next point, too. So, you know, you kind of got, you were at Azusa and then you went to UCLA. Talk to me about, um, you know, what is that like coming to a new place as a coach? How do you build connections with your players, with your specialists? How do you build that relationship? Uh, I, I would say um, you basically just try to get another player. I mean, a lot of times, like, like, like I took this from watching Fossil for six years of, like, how he talks to his players, how he looks at his players, how he just, like, really generally cares about them. And, and you see how, how players respond differently. Now, in the NFL, it's a little different because you know, one guy this week, next week he's fired. So, and, and, but you know, he has a family and kids. You're like, well, how do I navigate this? But college, obviously, we're not cutting the kid because obviously college football and NFL is different. So you can be a lot more personal with them. Um, definitely, like, at, at, like, like there's players, there's a freshman on a team that I saw running on, on punt. I was like, holy crap, who's that guy? So, so then just just in the hallway, just start talking, just, just try to get, get to know them just as, as much as you can. I mean, I mean, obviously, trying to be in life as much as possible, trying to be an influence, not just as a football player, 
but but also give him advice as 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 how to be a better man, how to be a better father, how to be a better husband. Just just talk to him, and because they're looking to you just for advice in in all aspects of it. Yeah, a hundred percent. I agree with that, and you know I can remember from my playing days. Yeah, really looking up to some of my coaches who, you know, co coincidentally I work with now. Okay, let's switch gears a little bit. And we'll, we'll go back and talk about your UCLA time. Uh, you know, as far as punters go, you were with one of the greatest punters that have ever played in the NFL. And he's, you know, you guys were together for you know, an extended long amount of time. Yeah. Uh, what did you learn from him and his mindset? Uh, just learn from him. I mean, it was, it was crazy. Just like even watching him, prior to him actually playing in the NFL, coming out of Oregon State, not, not teams actually knew about, about Johnny Hecker. He was actually considered to be only a camp league for, for an NFL team. I'm not going to say who, but there's only one team that him and Asian told about wanted him as a camp league. And I was like, okay. he was a rugby guy most of the time. He had 20 punts his last two years of college, I was like, okay, let's create him this way. Seeing, okay, he's directional. He is, he's in video about 60 yards. He's incredibly high cut, long legs, long, long, long arms, big L hands. And he was a former quarterback. So like, okay, this guy's an athlete. So just kind of getting to know him through that and then and then chance of actually work with him. I mean, I mean young man freaking just works his butt off. Like he wants to be there. He is systematic in his in his routine when it comes to like ball drop, um, punt pass, directional, um, creating like a generally like a grading system game in, in his charting. So so he's making it more fun than just making it work. And then obviously like like all specialists, I mean we have to have our, our goof off time on the side and and, and go play a game of uh, kick tac toe. But obviously, we got to be discreet with this because if the headman sees you, it's not a good look. And I'll be honest, one of the team meetings, they got they they had the cam man turn the camera. We're playing kick tech toe. I'm like, what the heck are you guys doing? And it's in the middle of the team meeting. I was laughing like, oh, here we go. We can't do this for a while. Yeah, but, you're the culprit there. Exactly, and and this I mean, fortunately, wasn't his, his rookie year because that would have been awful if we're doing that his first year. But after he got, I would say year three is is when that kind of that those shenanigans start happening because he he got himself into a good position. But but one of the biggest things we always talked about, and it's very humbling, is his very first NFL snap against Detroit, where he literally dropped the ball after his first step before he kicked it and drops it, picks it up, rocks this thing like a scud missile. Obviously hang time is so fast you can't you, you don't even touch the watch at all. And he ends up making the tackle and it's like, okay, with this 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 young man who's a Pro Bowl kicker, four time Pro Bowl kicker, and his first punt was this. It's like, okay, well you know where you started, but that's not who you are now, but it's humbling to know your beginnings of like, look, you work your butt off. You develop yourself. You take you took great coaching, and the rest is history. Yeah, I'm going. I think he. I think he's you know, his contract renewed like almost every other year. Yeah, four years on it. So he, 
he's probably going to be kicking probably into his 50s, especially with his accuracy. No, you're 100% right, though, right? And I think it is inspirational to hear, you know, how he you know, almost or whatever failed or had some failure and then responded to that. You know, that was my next question for you. From what you've seen, what separates middle to like average NFL punters from the great ones? Um, I mean, a lot of people like to say this, the player's ceiling, but 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 there's been a bunch of players I've seen in NFL who you would think would have a high ceiling but never reached it. It's it's usually the guys that are more kind of more in the middle and and they and they just keep working and and you know, but it's really higher. But you're like, wow, this guy's really working his butt off. He's really getting better. I mean, there's a punter at Wisconsin, um, uh, I think it was Brad Norman, that 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 pretty good but I was like I didn't know he had this this caliber it was like from from that pregame like wow you really work your butt off and, and and his leg is a lot stronger than it was in, in college especially when he especially when I'm looking at him and Hecker but um definitely it's, it's I would say it's more the work ethic I mean the guys who work their butt off the guys who were the most humble um and as well as coachable because there's some Specials out there I happen to meet who are not exactly that mold, but and you realize that those types of guys have to fit in the room because it takes it's a unique group. Like I've like even talking with um, Randy Brown on occasions I've known Randy for years. Randy, um, uh, Randy actually used to used to work with David Akers, who who we now have his son now not playing for us. Who's Who's just been a blessing to have him. He works and he works his butt off more than I thought he was going to. It was like, oh my lord, this guy's really. There's there's tangibles you don't really see until you really get them in the mix. Oh my god, yeah. I mean, we so I I know David too, and he's talked about you and and how you guys have had a great connection. And uh, I actually coached against his son last year. Uh, in okay. a game, and then we we were able to talk and stuff too. But yeah, his son Luke, I mean, works his butt off. I mean, I'm I've seen him, you know, some of his workout videos, and he's shredded up. I mean, he's yeah, he's a workhorse for sure. He's absolutely night and day from from his senior year, and I thought his senior year when he worked for us, he can't play because because so like working guys out. I mean, obviously some some people like like seeing certain things, but. I find myself more as as a technician in terms of like the technique and say, okay, what technique works, what's flawed, what can we slightly adjust or tweak, and 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 I knew him uh, just coming in and kicking a few for for us. It was like three, four kicks. I saw like, okay, I'm sold. But then some kicks that they had might not have been the the seller, but like you know what, I I find myself knowing. A player because everyone's like, Oh, I gotta hear sound. Was the direction good? I'm like, It's there's certain things that are in place, you just need to coach the young man because it's like Hecker, he only had 20 kicks, pro kicks in the, in the uh, college his last year. He's a big rugby guy, big rugby. So he knew he had to coach that one out of him, so it's just knowing the intangibles and just blessed, blessed to have him out here. But the most important thing is a lot of these young men. Some people look look at look at college as more like work, play right away. Work, work, can I um, 
like I mean, winning every game. I mean, perfect world, love that. But, you, but people don't realize school is really more a 40-year commitment than a four-year commitment because when you look at the number of players who come into college to play football, not all of them make it felt they want to. And, 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 and I'm going to do my darndest to develop them so I, I get the best tools to, to get there. But at the end of the day, your degree is what's going to carry you for, for the next four years of your life because they look at the paper like that's what help you in your next job. The connections that you'll get just in every city that, you, that you're in. No doubt. And you're at a fantastic school for that too. Hey, there's something that you were talking about earlier I was interested. How do you, how do you make charting fun for your guys? So um, we'll treat we'll treat it more more as a game per se. Um, obviously, the biggest thing that, that I have to be very primitive and even with, with specialists is is the kick count. I got got to know how many kicks that that, that that would do. And obviously, I I can't tell them um, what to do exactly. So I only leave so many spots to chart. And I'm like, okay, this is our chart for the day. This would coach approved for charting. This is what we use, and, and that's all we're doing. So, so I'll turn to a game of like, hey, punting. Um, once we get our warmups in, however much player needs, because it's all relatively different, um, we'll make it a point system. We'll basically say, okay, it balls balls gonna be um, if it's in the alley, it's one point. Alley is being top of numbers two hash hash middle field. That's minus two. If it's Bomb numbers to boundary, it's it's uh it's two, and then three is to the chalk. But here's the, here's the kicker of it: it's got to be forty-two yards or more. I Minimum. love. Wait, wait, you, to to the chalk? You mean like on the sideline? Exactly. So it's got to be forty-two yard minimum with a forty-two hang time because you got to make sure you can at least fair catch it. Right. That thing is return to sender, and guess what? You just went from a punter to a football player making a tackle. And no no punter wants to do that. Uh, there's uh, – I would say uh, – I think guys from, uh, from San Francisco. Uh, he'll, he'll, yes, he'll definitely – he's willing to make a tackle. But he's, he's also a former rugby player too, so. Wisnowski, yeah. He's a, he's a big dude, yeah. And let me – I spoke too fast because Johnny Hecker is also 6'5", so he's not scared of anybody. Well, I would say he's not, but hey, to say it, there is a picture of him um, on YouTube where uh, I think it's Cliff Averill was rushing a punt and then was acting like he was going to tackle him, and Hecker literally like, like cowered down to the ground. Hey, to say it, it's it's on YouTube. Love Hecker to death, but that did happen. Dang, Johnny, we're calling you out. <laughs> but he but but he did but he did have a legal knockdown on a player too, which you can you can th- push people to the ground, but for a cover, same thing in college you can do that. So yeah. definitely well within the rules. So hey, kickers are going to take shots when they can, and um, maybe a former kicker, I'm going to do the same thing too, as long as it's legal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Coach it up as long as it's legal. Um, talk to me. You know, once you get to that level, I'm sure you know. You, you become very comfortable in your form and technique, and I'm sure Johnny did. What is, you know, but the specialists, they're still human, right? What is something he struggled with and then worked on on a daily basis to get better? I would say the, the one thing that he's struggled on was 
punting to his left. And a lot of people were like thinking like Johnny Hecker, four-time Pro Bowl, struggled with that. Like, well, it's just every every punter's got a certain block. Every kicker's got a certain block of like what do I struggle with? Do I like kicking the left half? Do I like kicking the right half? Like in, in the middle of the field, what is it's just trying to figure out what that block is and figure out how to work through each day and and just to develop yourself and making and finding a way to uh, adjust to being better at it. And so I know he's done some stuff which is unique. Sam Cook's done it. Hecker's done it where he aims to his right, the returner's left, torques his body, and the ball goes right back to the left. And it's like it's, it's just realizing how to adjust to a situation, but not just adjusting to it. It's also um, coaching him through the point by like, okay, if you do this, what should I expect as a opposing coordinator? How can I game plan asset? So having to basically make yourself so universal that teams cannot get a beat on you. Steps perspective. And with Matthew Orzich and Azusa where we had developed because he's never done pro punt, but I, but I know a lot of snappers generally will always snap and they'll go to one side or the other very fast and the one thing I've realized is we need to develop your first year and just go back and just get depth because if you have depth you have time to let it just digest you have great guards who are going to give you the protection you need so just find ways to really help you adjust that because like like watching uh, Dallas I want to say it's 2017 my, my last year of the Rams yes 17 where we're watching Dallas and we're trying to figure out figure out which way the snapper is going, what is the tell? Is it is it the gunners? Are they synced to a hash? Are they not synced to a hash? Are they synced to where the, his hips are? But one of the things that I ended up finding, finding until false about was the snapper. So he would never, the snapper would never line up straight through the ball. The ball would be, call it, uh, tilted to his left, and he would almost pull from one side to the other. So what ended up happening a lot of time is his body would always go to least resistance. So when he's pulling from left to right, his hips are always opening to his left, the return side right, so you know where it's side he's vulnerable from. And then you realize, oh wow, there's that that's the gap that's always there. And he's done it probably over 85% of the time. So you're like, okay, you feel pretty confident in those types of things and and basically by the fossil attention. He drew a particular rush for that, and he ended up getting blocked that, that game. Wow, that's all. But in the, but you like seeing the training aspect of it. You gotta make sure they train the guys for what they need to do, but but not just what they need to do. Also, how to protect the scheme right. and not have any tip offs because you want to keep the other coordinator guessing what's going on. Right, you don't want to tip them off, and that's that's huge. I love hearing about the intricacies of noticing little things that will tip someone off here. How did Back to the original question: How did Johnny work on then hitting like a left directional? Like, was it just getting on a, getting in the middle of the field and just working hitting a ton of left directional balls or steps? Oh, absolutely! It it was, it was more so out of gate first, ball drops just 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 getting that nice consistent ball drop, worked from ball drop to punt pass and then from punt pass then 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 to full steps. I mean, he Johnny was not a guy who would skip steps. He would really work the technique 
and, and make sure that he gets a good solid contact. Mm-hmm. Because one of the tough things that he's realized, and I hate to bring it, bring it up, I love Tucker to death, but he had, a, I want to say, the minus five-yard punts on a rugby. So, so think of it as your rugby and you're pulling back across and the ball hits you out of your foot and goes the wrong way. So it, so, so it's something that he, he knew about. He knew how to, how to tweak it. He knew how to adjust it. He knew how to properly develop what he needed to do. But most importantly, he knew that he had a certain amount of kicks in, in his bag that day that he was going to use, and he would not go over that because one of the things that he was really good at on was making sure what days he's kicking what days he's not kicking because a lot of young specialists that, that, that I've known throughout the years don't realize you do not need to kick every day. There's other tech drills, techniques we can utilize throughout the week. And that's one thing my coach says, like, he's not punting today. And I'm like, he's only punting twice a week, three times on game day. Okay. Well, you're the coach. If you think it's a work. And, and then the, at the end of the year, it's like he had, he had his best year of his career. As yeah. he was but I had to do punts and kickoffs, so it's different. Yeah, no, that's and that's so important too, right? Because you see guys that are hitting, you know, forty-five, four or five punts, and just staying right on that. And then towards the end of the season, you see them start to tank because their body's just worn out. Uh, and I was going to get to this later. Like, what what are some things that you guys would do instead of punting? I know there's dry runs. I know drop drills, stuff like that. What what's something that you guys would do? I would say def- definitely lots of lots of uh, drop drills. Um, I, I really sp- like to start with with the, the hands. Just make sure that there's a nice um, uses of the hands when you're catching ball balls, not hitting like like your your hands made out of cement. Having guys like like guys to, to use the jugs as much as possible. You think why is it punting and jugs? It's it's to get the hands because you you want to have the, the nice smooth precise catch. Quick rotate of the laces, assuming they're off, and then you're off because if you're not used to you know do that much, then you have guys both hitting the hand hard. It's bouncing. Guys catch it, and then when they spin it, it goes up in the air. I'm like, we don't want any risk of the ball being dropped. Well, you want it to be as precise as possible. So we utilize those a lot with with specialists, ball jobs, lots of punt passes. Flexibility is is, is a major thing for us of just being flexible because that really helps in terms of our ability to torque through a ball and have great follow through upon contacts. Did you guys do a lot of hip mobility stuff or hip strengthening stuff? That's, that's what stuff I actually left more to Australian staff. Our Australian staff does a great job in just what they do to, to get the guys ready in terms of strength, strength and in, in, in that world. Their stuff is generally built for specialists alone. It's not putting the guys on on one workout program. It's every every position has their own program because obviously specialists are more of a pendulum, more of a leg swing. Um, Corebacks are very similar because because of the motion of the arm. Linemen and linebackers different because obviously you're playing the position. So we try to uh, tailor all workouts to position needs. No doubt, a hundred percent. Yeah, and, there, and there's different things. My brother's a physical therapist, so I'd always go to him and, and ask, you know, what are different workouts where I can explosively strengthen, you know, my hips, but in a motion that's the same as kicking or punting, you know. Um, what about, you know, this is something I think is very important, uh, to have like a mental cue or a verbal 
process or something that you say to yourself each time? Is there something that, you know, he would tell himself each time or something that you guys would tell the specialists to tell themselves each time? And like in terms of like what they're doing wrong or, or needing to adjust? Is that kind uh, of yeah, or just like a lot of guys. So like, uh, I don't know if Randy Brown said it, but definitely uh, like Shane Graham, they talk about having the process. Oh, John Carney. John Carney's talking about, you know, having a process uh, that you go through. So you block out outside, outside distractions. And some people might have a, a term that they tell themselves, you know, like, I don't know, uh, quiet hands or lock the ankle out or fall through to the right ear. Was there something that, you know, he would tell himself to stay focused in the moment? Yeah. Like, like in terms of, of um, like kicking wise, like, like stuff I've noticed with, with most kickers, they generally don't, don't, lock the heel down before they take the side steps like like the toes toes down but then the heel ro rotates enough and, and then depending on what hash you're on you might be too low or too high and then you're you obviously auto correcting like those sort of things like i'll talk talk to our kicker about in terms of making sure that, that he utilizes that um situational stuff like obviously every team handles getting ice definitely some guys love standing field some guys need to come off some guys need just there's certain things you just like hey let's just talk some bullshit and just keep your mind completely off football together let's just talk about like golfing how you feel about this course today wait, wait, how do you think tiger played today just get his mind completely off of off of football for a minute so it's like okay he's reset yeah and, you're able to and it's just help those guys with those types of things just just kind of like look yeah, they, we're just playing a game. You know what to do. Right. And that and that's kind of your role as a coach, right, is to help them get in the right mental state to perform at their best. Um, Absolutely. You know, I, I was watching uh, – I was listening to David Akers talk, and he was talking about J.J. Molson and how well he'd done last year. And I actually pulled up some film here uh, since the last time we were talking. Man, his kickoffs were ridiculous. I mean, he had such a live leg – uh, is that something he had when you met him, or you know, how does how how was he so uh, great at kickoffs? So, so with JJ, definitely, definitely the strength is a tribute to the kids' work ethic in the weight room. Like he worked his butt off the uh, summer before I got there. Um, watching tape on him previously, he his leg was not as big. I mean, he obviously had it in him, but it just needed to work in terms of the steps um, and just catching the ball at the right spot. A lot of young specialists who like to over crunch and think that's what you need to do to get the ball up in the air, but you need to keep a higher chest. They're just working those things with them. And once we, once we got them into a very couple of states, I was like, okay, let's, let's see how you kick both in both directions, both right and left. And, and obviously you want to be more, more universal, but in the scheme aspects, like, like we're playing Marshall, I hate him to be one-sided, so then you know, like, okay, the ball's going to my left. I can run a double three or or or, 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 or whatnot. And scheme-wise, like, let's try to be universal. But with what he did for us um, in strength-wise, what was remarkable, and I was like, okay, I know we can contain this by limiting his reps on kickoff. So what was crazy was he didn't do a kickoff in practice after the two. Wow. So you're so thinking – most, most of your guys were probably getting, what, at least 15 to 20 kickoffs at least one day a week. 
we he would I would have him do only um, just um, I think it was called we were talking about only doing just walk offs and just steps is what we, what we have him do. How many uh, would he do per day, like walk offs and steps? Uh, he would do maybe ten or so, and, and it was just one day. He can notice it. Then obviously, when when you go with, when you go team, he would do just walk offs. He would act like he's kicking one kick. We'd have a ball in hand, so everyone's still timing his, his steps, but we're saving his leg for the game, wow. which helps helps tribute to he was like ninety percent touchback. That's which you want to pin closer, but you know what? If we, if we know it's a guarantee inside twenty five at least, or at least twenty five, we'll take it in a week. Oh my god! You tell me hitting yardage. That's hitting yardage right there because most teams are going to return it to at least twenty five minimum. Right, right. No, that was that's fantastic. I love that. Less is more technique. You know, um, is it? Uh, well, you know. I, we already talked about how he, he repped it and stuff and how he kept his legs fresh. Was he better to the right than the left? Because the film I saw, I think, was against Cincinnati. I think everyone was directional right. Yeah. He was definitely better, better to his right. We worked on on going both ways, but it seems also if, if I didn't feel comfortable enough saying and giving my blessing to, to our coordinator that, that he's good to go to his left, then I went. Then I just wasn't going to pull a trigger on it until until I knew that he was going to put us in a good spot, um, and and that's one thing I was like, look, this is something that we need to work on because as we get you ready for the NFL pass this year, you just you have to work on this on the side. Now we're not going to do this right now. We need to work on what Coach wants, um, which is obviously he's going to his right all the time, all last year. And I was like, look, we're working this postseason. When season's over, so we get you ready for the league, and because it's it's just a certain things that like 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 to tell coach and, and have us always reiterate is during during spring ball is a time you can really tinker with with your technique, adjusting certain things. Once you get in training camp, you want to you want to fine tune that thing that you're doing. You don't want to keep tinkering. If you're tinkering in training camp, then you're not then you're not going to feel confident going into this season. No doubt. And, and and like as as a young kicker, like like even in, in the recruiting process, like even talking to all the specialists, uh, Luke included, is like, look, you'll be a freshman. You're looking for schools. You you want to know you're in, a, in the best uh, scenario possible as your investment for your forty years of like school football education. We want to live new experiences. Everyone's got their reason for going where they want to go, but. It was more like, look, this is what we're going to do. This is our plan. We want you to be perfect or at a gate, but, but, but in terms of being realistic, we're going to move in steps. Now, obviously, if your steps go faster, then we'll, then we'll just accordingly. But we're, we're, never, we're never going to rush a player to develop. We're always going to develop him the way he needs to develop. No doubt. Yeah, and you have a good basis for that, especially with your background. I, I was just thinking about direction-wise, uh, hitting a kickoff. Do you normally find, uh, you know, in your studies that guys will be, they'll be able to hit the ball deeper to the left because they're really falling through with their hips, whereas to the right, you're kind of, you're not leaving your hips open to plant deep. But, you know, talk to me, what do you think about that? What have you seen about that? Well, definitely with me, I know going to the left, for me personally, it was always felt more comfortable because I felt myself able to 
really torque through it. So I'd aim it almost to the goalpost and really pull through that thing. Um, but some guys, I mean, JJ's one of those rare guys that, that was able to put enough power going to his, his right. Now, granted, his ball definitely did have a tendency to have a little bit of fade to it. So if you're on the left hash and he had that fade to it, that ball's in the middle of the field. And now you're covering all 53 and a half yards instead of 26 and a, 26 and what and what and whatnot yards if you're directional. So it's there's definitely ups and downs with it. Um, I know there's from what from where I came from, I like to always run returns with knowing I can return it both directions, right or left, with the same return without having to flip it or have a change call, except for saying, hey, it's it's a change call. We have have a and you have a signal for it saying, hey. Everything's just flipped. Same return, but flip it. But making it as easy as possible. But I've seen a lot of teams generally don't do that in college. I don't know if, if it's they don't trust players to do it. I don't know if they don't know how to do it, or it, or if they or if they're just trying to utilize the fair catch rule. Yeah, I, I I don't know, but I see that a lot of teams only one one return or not. So obviously with JJ going always to his right, their left. Teams generally always have a return going to the right and never left. So now, now they got to wrap the return to go away they're not accustomed to. So now you're, you're kind of getting some inconsistencies. Oh, no doubt. Yep. It's different. No, yeah, that's – I've noticed that too, actually, at the college level, that it's, it's normally just one directional, you know, one way directional-wise. So, yeah, maybe it's because of that fair cash rule. Now, you were, you were with Greg Zerline too, who – I remember, especially like you know, late two thousand or early two thousand tens, he made some huge kicks. Uh, you know, wh why was he uh, able to be so good in pressure situations? I would say it's more lines of, of just the way Greg just composed himself. Just his his his, his psyche. Each other day was basically, I'm just here. I'm just here to get a kick. Here to have fun. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna do what I need to do. I'm gonna focus on this, and I'm not gonna put unnecessary conflict into, into myself if something doesn't go right. Because there's always ways to make it right, and if you MPS something go wrong, you are you already have done it so long, you know what to quickly adjust to be more efficient. Um, because even the, because he, I mean, even when when he had the, the one down year in '16 where he struggled with fibble, but a lot of it came, came down to, I, I mean, I always thought it was more, more injury-based because this technique, there's stuff that obviously I've noticed. I'm, I'm only able to say so much. Obviously, me being in the position I was in, I'm not going to overstep my boundary and tell an NFL guy what to do because that's not my place at the moment. I need all passive information to, to obviously fossil to, obviously, if he wants to say something, he will. If he doesn't, then I got to live with that. But Zerline definitely was a hell of a worker. His ethic was, was unbelievable. Yeah, and that's, you know, what I'm starting to hear is that at the end of the day, it's how much you put into it. You know, you get a lot of specialists that are just here to kick or here to punt, but really it's that work ethic on the side that sets them apart. And you definitely see that even with the young guys that are kind of through the ranks in high school. And, and, and then going to all those ranking camps and you're like seeing who's really the guy, who's not the guy, who's got technique, who's not technique, who trains, 
who, and then and most of all, who are they training with? Who are they getting the information from? And then and then being able to replicate that because we're only as good as our snappers and holders. And if you have guys who struggle in that world, I mean, it's it's gonna be tough. Like watching high school tape all the time is like, okay, well they had a bad holder or bad snapper, but in the camps he was phenomenal. What's what's going on here? And never to push blame on it, but I was going to go with them is it's always the kicker's fault until the tape comes out the next day. Take responsibility. You gotta you gotta adjust the kick as what it is, but it's always on you until the tape says it's someone else's fault. Yeah, I love that. I love that because especially being a specialist playing at a lower level at Division Two, you know, we get holes that are all over the place at the end of the day. It's like you know, I had to make those kicks and you know, I, I was able to do so, but um, that that was actually pretty cool. I know you talked about on uh, Brendan Cahill's podcast about a, a study you did in 2012 about holders missing a spot and even by an inch or two and it would change the result, right? Talk to me about that and any other studies you did that you found was interesting about specialty. Yeah, so, so in terms of the whole spot, because because it's Adventures as a, as the the cliche in football, and everybody always um, everything is so fine tuned. Out some guys uh, don't like doing that at all. It's it's all relative of, of what everyone does. But if you look at, at just what, what have, at way they line up, like think like if their steps are always precise, their heels always right behind the ball. But the ball is behind a little bit, then you're gonna catch that ball on the downswing as opposed to the upswing, or the ball's or the ball's too too close to your plant foot, then you're you're literally gonna be leaning harder to your left than you would if if, um, if the ball was put closer to the holder, and vice versa, then you find yourself being great adjusters as opposed to being great kickers. You are great kickers, but you have to always adjust. And that's what and and I was talking to a scout of mine with the Rams um, who, who was at Georgia, who, who knew the holder, who was a punter at the time with Blair Walsh. And um, I, and Blair had an off year that year, which was kind of made me a little, little worried. But at the end of the day, it's still your fault if you missed a kick. You, should, you got to find a way to make it. Inside 40 yards, you should be able to find a way to make that kick. But uh, the ball was always being placed at different spots because I would look at the hand. I would, my eye would be trained to that spot. I run the tape, and the hand would be off by two, three inches in, in random directions. Like, so there's obviously an inconsistency that I saw, which now you're putting more pressure on the kicker than, than it should be. And never want to blame anybody, but, I mean, if you're a unit, you work together day in, day out, which is why I always love the specialist room to work as a unit even with with training for field goal, because obviously you're you, you're always together with, with your with your punters naturally. So that's one of the things I just kind of noticed by like consistencies and like okay, how can we make this easier for the holder? And and then also you talk about spots or whatnot. You talk about okay, are we on the a hash? Are we always on the, the top of the of the of the uh, hash or the bottom of the hash? Never the middle. You want you want to pick a, a spot they can always find quickly. Um, obviously, in the middle of the field, you're kind of at 
at, at anyone's guess, you're, you're hoping that there's a piece of white chalk paint that's on the ground, you can kind of just maybe just put it on the ground and say, hey, that's part of the field. I mean, is, that, is that against rules or is that? Uh... Technically, I would say it, it is, but but it, but how the game goes, a lot of that, a lot of that, the, that grass with chalk gets torn up and it kind of floats around the field. So you try to find find ways to massage the rules, as you say. Obviously, you can't be obviously hey, here here. Let's put it down here. Can't do that. Can't have a quarter. Can't have. You just, you just try to work within the rules. I mean, even even with snappers, with Jacob Quaid, he he'd, he'd always talk, talk about how he can manipulate the ball differently by the way he grabs it, rotates it, but he does it in, in a sense of that's how he's he's adjusting the ball to or his cadence. I do it enough times in the league that court refs wouldn't know the difference. Now, obviously, he's trying to give his, his holder, Hecker, the right distance. Now, he's trying to steal a yard, still a half yard, plus or minus, trying to find a way to make sure those laces come back perfect every time. So it's, it's trying to find a way to work within the rules because that's one of the things that, that I've learned, which is really interesting this year, is that if you do it in week one and there's tape of you doing this, then it's not illegal apparently because because that's why you've, you've always done it. There's there's always there's already a statute you've already done already, which is interesting. But anything anything you try to work it work in, make sure you work it in early so that there's a history of it. No doubt, and that's what what a good coach does, right? He takes advantage of the rules, or you know, make sure as long as it's within the rules. And it's almost like when I hear about the long step, it's almost like a pitcher, you know. Uh, doctoring a ball a little bit, just part of his, you know, approach or his windup, you know, to a pitch. I like that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's different ways of, of adjusting things to, to your advantage. Just, I mean, I mean, honestly, people try to steal a base whenever they can. Sometimes you're you get with it. Sometimes you don't. Obviously, you want you want to work within the rules, but that's but we're all human. We all do things to get advantages when we can. No doubt, 100%. Like, I'm talking to you to learn from uh, an expert in the field. So um, t- talk to me about, you know, uh, working with the new specialists, you know, especially kids nowadays. You know, it's kind of a fine line where you, you want to motivate them, but also, you know, you want to build up their confidence. How do you go about working with the new specialist? And, when you know, when are there times to really get after them and, and try to motivate them or when to relax and be calm? I mean, I would say definitely, um, like like with like right now with me having all three of my guys graduate last year, so obviously brand new, fresh room, young guys, obviously very hungry, very motivated. Um, obviously, not able to conduct the same business that we do in the past because of um, with with the way the world is right now. But obviously, knowing that that they're going to do what they can to to kind of put themselves in the best position possible to be the starter. Now, obviously, the, the, that's going to show up real quick when we, when we do get back to training with the team of, like, who's the top dog, who's not, and, and knowing that there's certain things you can do with players and things you can't. I mean, I've never been a fan of, of dog cussing players out because I, I don't feel that, that it gets them motivated. I mean, obviously, everybody's got their own philosophy and way they feel that it, it works. I've never been a fan of of that type of um, way to get them going 
I mean, maybe a stone's two. I mean, usually there's, hate, hate to put a special in this category, but usually when we get yelled at, we kind of either basically say something that's not, you should say, or you just go, in, go, go into a bowl and like, can you just like go quiet? So like, like the way I must always talk to my guys in the past is that obviously if you miss a kick, I'm not getting on you. That's not me. Specialists, I feel, need time to kind of like stew to be like, okay, dang, I missed that. And then what, give them a couple minutes and then, then they'll come over and say, hey, what what did you do? And say, oh, well, I did this. Like, okay, so you know you did. How can we correct that? So it's like, okay, let's let's motivate you positively without put, putting you to a funk. Because like you've seen specialists like, like Mason Cosby, Crosby, he, I think he missed four or five kicks in the game. Most kickers are getting fired, but coach over there did a great job by at the end of the game, even though the score was what it was, he kicked a short field goal, got him that confidence. The first thing you see, the starting quarterback came over to congratulate him. And, and just like, look, guys are going to have bad games, but you got to find ways to probably motivate them and give them confidence like, hey, we trust you. You're our guy. Oh, yeah. I love that. That's 100% true is, you know, as a specialist, we both know that, yeah, you need some time to yourself to kind of just let the emotions cool down. And then it's like, how do we fix it? You know, that's, you know, something I kind of forgot to ask you about, but I'm dying to ask you going, you know, forward. You talked about, you know, working with these guys who are professional specialists, you know, and uh, how did you go about, you know, gaining their trust? I mean, obviously they saw the work you put in, but how'd you gain their, their trust? Um, it was more along the lines of working behind the scenes first because obviously it wasn't my, my place to go just, just talk because obviously um, like, like with Coach Fossil, it was more along the lines of like he's the guy, he's, everyone knows, everyone trusts him, so I'm going to work, work within what I know because Fossil is a great scheme guy, great knowledge of, of special teams and trickery and all this type of stuff. Um, he looked at me to, to learn his craft, learn what he's doing, learn, and find ways to critique that. But then, then he would say, hey, what do you see differently with the kicker? What did you like, what you didn't like? If he misses, what will you do? So I would give him my information. And then once, once the specialist basically saw him getting information, then he would then say, yeah, Will's been kind of beyond about this. So, so I used him as a soundboard so I could at least handle it properly by like, I'm not gonna be this, this cocky arrogant coach be like, I know I'm doing, but I'm still young to feel. I'm still kind of, I'm still trying to gain my, tr my trust with the players. And then once that started, then it's like, okay, we're good. Well, what, what, is, what do we see? So it, it took that type of uh, critique to kind of get those guys comfortable with me and used to me. Oh yeah, and it took it took probably about two years, but it's like you know what, and, and, anything we're doing is we're doing right, and and last thing that I was going to do was go behind Paul's back and just go tell him what to do because it was not my place. Under yeah, hundred percent. You got to understand your role, and and yeah, that makes total sense. I like that. Um, you know, something I was kind of interested from a scheme. You're talking about scheme here, uh, is is you know at the college level and pump block. How do you organize your pump block team? I know a lot of guys will. A lot of teams will do like 
you know, at the very start of camp, they'll have outside, inside, and hold-up guys. How do you like to organize your groupings and then evaluate from there? Yeah, honestly, groupings are more along the lines of by type because I'll say there's different scenarios that you'll see. Um, some teams like having a lighter punt team. Some teams have a heavier punt team. Some teams are pro punt, and then you have to realize, okay, well, pro punt is the same as, as shield to a degree in, in the uh, guys who are eligible. First off, knowing who the eligible guys are, then, okay, how do we conduct business here by, like, obviously getting the wings covered in pro punt, like Arizona State, and not giving up the, the quick pitch to, to, to the uh, PP, and he has a diet. So just trying to figure out, one, what other buy types, and then, and, and then build the return off that itself. Um, obviously, it took some time and just, just to coordinate that whole deal, obviously. It was a, it was, it's, it's definitely a process. It took a lot of tape watching, a lot of consistency and, and writing down numbers of players who were in a certain spot consistently. So I knew that. Then I knew right away, I can do this with this. Okay, once that personnel down, how can, how can I cover down the way I need to, how can I draw a block looking like a return? But one of the biggest things that learning with uh, John Fossil was at a gate, we were trying to build a punt block unit, but having table on it, like we realized we got a stud back here. Let's let's put more emphasis in the return game. Now obviously that, that changed once once we lost Tavon. And then obviously using Corey Lilton as more and more in the block game. But just like like with like with Phillips, you want to return the ball if you can, but you are you always gotta go in with two or three blocks that you can play off that in terms of the uh, the technique and how it's it all works out. It's just knowing how to come down, knowing different formations, repping different formations, knowing which guys you want to adjust with who you don't want to adjust. You gotta you got she gotta change it up with, with certain personnel so guys think, oh, this guy is a jester. Once when it, this week it changed because you got to keep an offset. So it's, it's trying to stay on top of everything. And then knowing the fact also when you play teams who are big Elton Shield guys, big old linemen, um, you, you got to know, oh, are they going to run the ball? How are we going to adjust to coming down on three guys weighing 300 pounds and tackle a punter? It's trying to coordinate that. It's definitely an undertaking, but it's, it's, always, it's always a challenge that – I've always enjoyed going against like 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 some great names like 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 obviously John Baxter, Whittingham from Utah, um, Slocum. Who have, it's funny I've known him for years because when he was in the NFL, I mean he he called my name the first time I walked out there. And I'm like oh I'm I'm like I miss pro punts. He's like he's like yeah I draw right in here. It's it's different but but he's like I enjoy red pro punt. Like and then he told me his team like okay he is obviously very arrogant. I love it. <laughs> but every coach but every coach is arrogant though. I mean I mean everyone's got their flavor of like, I know I'm gonna do it and you can't stop me because I know exactly how how you lost it. I'm like, okay. I welcome the challenge. Yeah, I well, I also respect it too. You know, there's a certain boldness to that. So in the past with your guys' block then do you have you been more of a heavy heavy team or like more of a speed uh, team? I would say we like to be pretty pretty balanced. Um, now, obviously, each year is different. It's pretty unique. Um, if, you, if you have bigger linebackers, you have more 3-4 guys. You have more uh, D linemen. 
in the, in the game playing more as three four guys. I mean, every year is just going to be unique. Uh, I would say let's say we're definitely more middle range. Last year, this this year, I know we had a little, we had a lot of big linebacker court. So so, but they're big too. So big and fast is always great. I'll take I'll take fast any day week, all day, especially in the world. But I mean, it's 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 all always a unique challenge. Um, look forward to training camp to see really how the how the new guys run and, see, and seeing okay, where can I use this guy? Who's who's someone I can trust? Who's smart? Who's the adjuster? Who you, know, you want to have multiple guys always, but it's yeah. always unique in here. Oh no doubt, and especially this year, like you know, going going forward, like are you are you just gonna have like a huge group of them? Then or because you, you're gonna have to evaluate very fast, right? What uh, your personnel you have? Well, absolutely. I mean, and we're 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 seeing how it's gonna shake out and when we get the start, when we actually get to have eyeballs on the guys. Um, I mean, I mean, it's one of the things things I've always learned is who's always your 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 core guys that that you trust, who are big and fast, and you got and you have a list of guys who are who are smart, who can really adjust, who are fast, because like, like in the in the NFL world, you can have, have enough personal protectors, but you want to have, but you also got to be smart too, and have those guys play the wings. So you got to have at least six guys in that world. So in the same sense, also you're looking for that six, the seven guys who you know who be that mold, not just that mold. They also got to be that size. And to the game plan, it always changes because some teams like running the ones outside, some like running inside, some like running four, just four big guys. Randomly, some teams have random calls. They'll have a number system, and they'll just yell out four numbers, and, and whatever number you are, you're rushing, and they want to pulling up. So it's, I mean, everything's relatively different in, in how you want to run it, but just big thing is, is just knowing your, knowing your men and just put in the right spot and go and play ball. Yeah, and let them play fast. All right, uh, what did you – Last year, did you guys see a lot of um, three-man shield stuff or two-man shield? How was it on your guys' schedule? I would say most of it was, was three. Most of it was three. There was, I want to say, two or three pro-punt teams. So so I love going against pro-punt because I know how to isolate that quickly. And, and, and most of the schemes, I can figure out pretty fast. Um, it, it, it's just all stage. I was going to be be the head man calling, saying when you want to go for block, because obviously anytime you go for block, it's, there is, there's risk of running to the punter. Just like the same thing as you're risking every down, rushing the quarterback, if you hit him a second too late after the ball's thrown. You, I mean, it's, it's relatively the same risk, but obviously it's, it, it's different to a degree, but um, it's just knowing which teams are running which, which schemes, so, which, so then you know, okay, I got to build a return team, two return teams, three three block teams, and and two DSA teams each week, and then get that to the coordinators, so 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 they will get that in their meetings. So we're because I mean I have no idea how is a Marshall, but just time for special teams is so limited. So you try to maximize what you can. Oh no doubt, we we are lucky here that we have Coach Holiday who you know loves stressing special teams, and that's something I love about him but yeah I mean you know places I've been before too it's like you got to get this in a certain amount of time um yeah no that's that's 
definitely interesting. Do you guys um, um on on your kickoff coverage stuff? Uh, you know, do you how do you group your guys? Then do you do you have like a a big group that you go out uh, in, or do you try to divide them up? Um, I would say, I mean, basing on on kickoff, you mean. I hate to use the word headhunter, but you have to ha- ha- have the mindset of reckless abandonment because you're running at full speed and you got to take a shot. Um, I'm, I'm very happy they changed a lot of rules with um, with the no minimal wedge. When, the day when they when they take out the drive-by, never been a fan of that. Never been a fan of, of trap blocks just because of those blocks are so inefficient. But when they do the chances of, of getting concussions is pretty high. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the players that two, two years ago, two or two on that, and you, you can train this all you can, but it's one shot they take and they're, and they're out. And, and by no means do I ever want to have train to ever teach those, those techniques because I, I feel that you shouldn't train a guy to do something you only put your own son through. So in respect, I, I still got training how to how to deal with it and how to, how to adjust to that being used against you since it's technically still a rule. Huh. I mean, there's been plays where drive bys guys are out, out cold, out of sleep. Yeah. I mean, there was one guy I watched a couple years ago from Kentucky, Western Kentucky. Um, can't remember the exact name, but he hit a player so hard for kickoff coverage. It dented the kid's face mask. That's crazy. It's a it's a violent face, um, to say at least. But I mean, how you group the guys? I mean, you obviously got, got to group them accordingly. A lot depends on who you have, who can run, who's fearless, and what scheme is that team running? Are they running a a man middle? Or are they running a uh, a a tag three, trap five, or are they running a counter? Are they running I mean, obviously, all sorts of things uh, differ on who you want to put in, in there that, that week. Obviously, do you want all your team to rotate safeties? Do you like to change them up? Do you like to play them at the five, four, three, or you play them only at the one and two? It just, it just depends each week on personnel, who's up, who's down. And that's always, that's always a fun discussion. That, that me and the coordinators always get to have, like, okay, who is more in the game this week? So if I need to pull them out, I'll get them out. Last reps, who do I need to adjust for you guys? And it's, it's, always, it's always a friendly debate, but, but it's part of the game, just trying to make sure I get ahead of, ahead of the uh, ball so I don't play the wrong guy in, in practice and lose reps on someone who needs the game instead. I'm like, okay. okay. But make sure that too. Because there's times where I've switched that depth, so like at least on seven guys, and if you move one guy, as you probably seen in your career, you move one guy, you really move four because now it's just really like okay, he's not too not as good as the other guy, but I need to actually help cover him up a little bit. So how do I? It's 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 a game of uh, just shuffle. Right, and you could be there for hours, right, trying to reimagine what the depth chart should look like. Do you do you normally keep like three or four deep during the season? Generally, I'll, I'll keep at least three, three, three or four. Um, hopefully, not getting too deep. Um, generally, I, I carry a 
array of everything in the field. I mean, I'll, I'll carry that, I'll carry, de carry all, all, all depths, all the turns, all the rushes. Um, anything the opponent does, what's, what's, their, what's their bread and butter? So, so the players ask our coach, like, hey, um, what was different on that? Did they run this return? Who trapped? Who trapped you? Who came across? Who double teamed you? And they can look at the car and say, he didn't do it. He did. Like, okay, everything's the same. That's adjustment. Okay, boom. Thank you. All good to go. So, so now we know right away. Since we don't have pictures, if 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 I have the if I have the correct cars and do my my work the right way, I can utilize that to get the information from them fast. From uh, from our coordinator, coordinator's like here. Who's different? Okay, we're good. That's a or who's safety? I mean, it's it's a it's a jungle. It's a jungle. It's it's it's, it's a charade to figure this stuff out. But you got to be quick on the ball. You got to be on it. Nothing's more crazy than trying to figure out hands team and what's on side at the end of the game. I mean, when the game, you're like, oh crap, who's in? No double numbers, please. Yeah. No, but I love that too. I think that's what makes a great coach is that ability to react in game and, and be able to figure out that's that's something simple that coaches can do to make sure they're on top of things that are always changing during the game. No, absolutely. I mean, I, I had to rewrite two returns in, in a couple of games because the, the one return that, that we used, they changed a kick. They changed a hash. It's like, oh, crap. They got to draw a complete new return. Something similar to what they did already. Like, say, hey, hey look, let's run this. Simple. One, one, two, three, four, five, five, one, two, three, one. Boom. Good. And it's like, just got to know how to adjust. It's like, I mean, it's, it's funny. Coaches, you want to be calm, but you're always in conflict. You're not a sterile like going batshit crazy, but you're always in some sort of natural calm. calm. Even though you really like freaking the heck out. <laughs> No doubt, no doubt. That was funny, uh, man. This has been so great for me, man. I've, I've learned so much. Um, uh, one question I had is more on a personal level, and something I always think about. You know, what do you do to make sure that, like, during the season, or, or even in general, that you're, you know, taking time out for your family, or, or you know, making them feel cared for? Because there's you put in hours. Like this profession, you know, you're gonna put in the time. How do you make them? Uh, feel care for, make time for them. No, absolutely. Uh, I would say definitely in the off season, for the most part, um, coach does a great job by keeping it hours to, to a good moderate spring hours, basically get, just make sure you get your work done and, and, and you go, you don't got to your desk, spend as much time as you, as you can because come season, it's, it's crazy. But in terms of, of families, it welcome to come at any time, basically. Um, say if you want to come for practice or come for like for dinner, obviously you can work, but you're like, hey, I'll get an hour, I'll spend time with family, they'll have dinner with me, they'll go home, I may stay another hour longer, but you're trying to get that hour more than you would normally, which which has definitely been a blessed blessing. And and I know we're in that unique situation now where like you guys are, are going back tomorrow and we're not quite there yet, but we're almost there, but um, but realizing this time now that I would be normally at the office is I'm spending time with the family now, so just getting the chance to catch up on, on lost time because I mean, like you don't you don't realize that your kids go fast. Like, like, I'm like, good lord, where did time go? I'm like, I don't know where she was. And now, now she's 
thinking, hey, it's fast. And you, you try to play catch up with all stuff, but and, and talking to Foss about it, because I know, um, like he was a he, he was a son of a, of a coach, uh, Jim Fossil from the Giants, and like I was like, how, how, I was like, or I completely jumped into coaching again. Like, how did you do do this, and how you navigate this for you? And, and he gave me some, some great advice of like basically taking as much time as you, as you can. Obviously, he's like, look, I like to go in early. I like to knock it out early. I I rather give up my sleep now and have the afternoon available for my kids than go in a little later, sleep in, and then I lose that time. And, and then obviously with FaceTime, I mean, it's it, it's been a blessing. I, I'd be just like, hey, let's do a quick time for like 15 minutes. It's it's be- it's better to, to do that than not at all because you're like, who are you? They really, they only know you for only half the year and then, then you're um, your wife or girlfriend, it, it, it's um, basically like, oh, well, we're would you have the year and that, or be married or you're forced half the year. It's like, I mean, for our kids, I joke about like, it's like we're divorced half the year. It's like, I, I see you on weekends. But I mean, you, you hate to say that, but I mean, it's a definitely unique business. Um, definitely would say, um, it's 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 tough to it's tough to coach, but I, I feel it's even tougher being a wife of a coach because you're literally married into I hate to call it a single parent family, but to a degree it is. And like my wife is is unbelievable for, for what she's done to help me through my career, take care of the kids at home and 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 just make things roll all roll. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, it's, I mean with me, without them, we probably, we probably wouldn't be in football right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, but yeah, it's it's about finding a, a strong woman, right, who can uh, support you through all that. And it sounds like you have a, a fantastic situation there, Coach Rodriguez. So, man, I really do appreciate it. You've got to tell me about the uh, Lombardi trophy. It's just sitting there on the shelf there in your game ball. What's, what's that from? All right. So, the Lombardi, this is, this is from the St. Louis Rams. So when we won it, um, we got a copy of it. Now, everyone always asked me that back in 99, they're like, Coach, how old are you? I'm like, oh, I'm only 37. I'm like, well, you're definitely not playing or working. What did, what did you do exactly? So long story short, my family has been in the NFL uh, since 1953 with my grandfather who used to own the Baltimore Colts. Wow. Who my grandmother was the former of the Rams up until 2008 from her past. So been in the NFL for I was last one in the NFL until 2017 when I left to go to college. So just have a strong lineage with the league. Been around football. Been around many specialists. Which going back to talking about Wilkins being I kick with him. I kicked with him. Kicked with uh, jo- Josh Brown, um, John Mendetta. He's he's funny. He is. He showed me his pads. They're hockey pads. <laughs> he, so he's like he's like he's like I'm not even trying to tackle. And you see my one bar. I ain't. I'm taking an educated decision here. I'm going low. <laughs> but um, but just just been blessed with uh, 
just being able to be around a lot of great great athletes to learn from them, from exposures, techniques, and so and so forth through the years. And and the ball was was from the uh, 2016 net punt record that that I was forced forced to be, be part of. That was the first year that we moved back to uh, Los, Los Angeles, and that year was nuts, as you probably, probably saw in Hard Knocks. I have yet to watch it, mainly because I lived it. Did you it make was, some cameos in there? I definitely had some cameos in there. They definitely had, I was I was the guy helping Fossil in on a surfboard team room. So we so we that that was part part of the Jeopardy, where everyone's like, "Where's Fossil at?" and we got a surfboard, and well, he's like, "How can we make a grand entrance?" I got a top stage here. I have a lower here. How can my entrance? Like, I'm like, I'm like, how can you do crowd surfing? And we're thinking surfing, like, California surfing. Happened to be Coach Fisher ha- has a Rams board in, in his in his, de- at his desk. He got when he moved to singles to LA, and I'm like, okay, let's take the fin off. Fossil, hop on top on there, and we'll and we'll put you up top, and then. And then you get carried down by the players, and then and so and he's like, I hope they don't drop me or anything. I'm like, well, so let's let's just go and see how, how this works out. And and it, it went out for the bang for the most part, but but just, just that year when when uh, technically um, they they never hired him an assistant. I was there helping him prior, um, um, just on the side, and he had me do a lot of things for him throughout the year. His assistant. Who, who got elevated after training camp gets let go. So then he calls me after London and says, hey, Will, go need help on, 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 on Monday. So I'll ready to go. I'm like, yeah, well, what's up? He's like, he's like, he's like, I'll talk to you about, about it then, but just be ready to go. And I find out that I'm basically doing an assistant job basically the rest of the year. Then, fought, then uh, Fisher gets fired before the Seattle game and then and I'm not know what's going on, and he's like, "Hey, Will, uh, you might get air bed. Like, why?" I'm like, "What's going on?" I'm like, "I live like ten and a half here. I'm like, like, I've just been promoted to head coach. It's gonna be a long night." I'm like, "Okay, here we go. Call the wife. Let's let's get the air bed." I'm like, "I'm gonna be here. I didn't go home for probably about two weeks." Wow. Yeah, because so my family drove out to come see me today because I'm like, I, we had a Seattle game on Thursday. Who's the, who's the new special teams coordinator? Oh, oh, the Rams now? Well, no. At that time, did he just still serve as a special teams coordinator and the head coach? He, he did, he did, but he gave me a lot, a lot more duties, a lot more tasks. Um, just because he's because now he's doing the special teams and the game plan, the game plan as, as well as basically all the moon pieces of the head coach. Um, I know he had a. Uh, Coach McGinnis was outstanding as a coach, helping him through the process, him being a former head coach himself. So, I mean, I mean, it's, it sounds like a lot of chaos, but it, it actually went smoother than people would think. It just was a lot more work than I was used to. Like, okay, I'm going to enjoy the opportunity and the more role from this. Wow. That's a great, that's a great perspective. <laughs> but when you look, but when you sort of back to the culture part of that, you're thinking, the Rams moved, we won four games, and we somehow got the net punt record in the NFL. That, that, sh- that should not have happened because usually teams lose that coach. 
no team vultures, but that shows you how strong of, of a man and the culture that was that's been in place since 2012 that the guys fought and worked the butt off from. Absolutely, no, absolutely. That's that's awesome, man. That's actually a really cool story too. Just sleeping in the office for two weeks, huh? Literally on air bed, I'm like, I was, I slept. I was literally. If you could have coffee and an IV, that I would probably not down that thing because I was drinking coffee like it was going out of style. But, but I mean, when you're trying to adjust in, in, in football to unique situations, you got to know how to adjust, um, stay as calm as possible, and, and, and just, just keep keep grinding. But when you, when you love the game as, as, as much as we did, it's easy. Yeah, and that's what makes it so exciting, right, is you have different circumstances like that. So, exactly. Well, well, it's been awesome, man. I've had such a great time, and uh, you did so great, man. Uh, if anyone wants to uh, follow you on any social media or, or get in contact with you, uh, is there a way they can do that? Yeah, um, I, yeah, I have a uh, Twitter. Um, I say that on. <laughs> Remember the exact handle because I hate to give wrong information. Uh, it's at, at coach underscore Willrod. Awesome. Yeah, and I'm sure, you know, uh, the, the listeners will be reaching out to you guys. Man, that was that was a great time. Uh, I appreciate you for your time. Thanks for listening. And if you have any questions you'd like asked or select guests coming up, follow and send us a message on Twitter and Instagram to Iceman underscore kicking or IcemanKicking at gmail.com. Be sure to follow us and turn notifications on YouTube, Spotify, and SoundCloud at Iceman Kicking Podcast, and rate and review us on Apple Music. This will be important as we will have giveaways going forward. Also, check out our TikTok under the same name for the best clips from these interviews. And tune in next week for another great special teams mind. I'm Brett Arkellian, and for everyone at the Iceman Kicking Podcast, we hope you stay cool under pressure, have a great week.